Climb aboard all you soldiers, sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen of the United Nations for another of your weekly rides on the Spud Goodman Show. Radio Show, and here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy, he calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <The> man. <laughs> Welcome to our radio show. I would suggest anyone now listening, you know, hang around or you might regret missing this episode. The key word is might. You know, I can't in good conscience say absolutely for sure you would regret missing it because, you know, if you had other more interesting, you know, things to do than, than listen to this, I get it. But as the Imperial Wizard said so well, what do you have to lose? So now I should introduce, I guess, our, our highly skilled designated laugher, Gina. Uh, are you warmed up and ready to go? Uh, I guess, but for some reason, I seem to have come down with some kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if it's yeah. a virus, a cold, or what, but I hope it doesn't impact my performance on the show. Other than the sound of my voice, I feel great. Um, hey, can you still laugh without that annoying voice? Just, yeah. just asking. That's the weird thing. It doesn't impact my laughing. Listen. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah. I can't figure okay. out this at all. People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. Well, you know, well, they say people you know, like who stutter don't do it when they sing, so I guess we're going to be okay here. Uh, I mean, if your laughing had that, you know, sound thing, uh, it would be a big problem. Well, it's causing some issues at home with my boyfriend. He's asking me to write stuff down rather than speak. The funny thing is we're getting along much better, and I have a heck of a lot more free time. Yeah, uh, hey, guys, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting to be introduced. There's no hurry. Listen, listen, but I I'm discussing a possibly serious affliction with Gina. Show some compassion. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. I don't think it's serious, Spud. Well, I'm pretty sure know. it will go away after a few days. For your sake, I hope so, but we don't know this for sure. You may have to go see like a specialist or something. What kind of doctor does you know someone see for this type of disease or whatever it is? Yeah, well, you know, I believe one would look. You don't with... just don't go giving I... Gina inaccurate medical advice. Are, are you not... an expert in this field? No, you're not. Well, so just butt <laughs> out of the conversation. 
I don't want this to impact the show, so why don't we move on if that's okay? Yeah, and I guess so. But if you feel the need at any time during this show to go home, no worries. Your health is, is much more important than the Spud Goodman show. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. It would be a close call, but, I mean, your best interests are pretty much just as important. <laughs> pretty much. I will be fine here. Well, I well, mean, check this well, out. <laughs> well done. All right. So, Spud, I thought it would be interesting to discuss the topic of espionage on the show. Uh, my wife and I got a babysitter for the youngest as Gerald Jr. and Abby were at some youth group function yeah, in our church. Yeah, but okay. anyway, anyway, we went to see the new Jason Bourne movie. Well, I guess it's not really new anymore, but our, you know, we have a second-run theater right near our house. Super. Two, two bucks, Spud. We yeah. can see a movie for two bucks. Anyway, it was date night, and we tried to do that once a month. Yeah, I read, I read about that date night thing. It's like a good divorce yeah. killer, right? Yeah. I, I have no idea. I didn't. Yeah, maybe I should have checked that out. But anyway, uh, can we dispense with the date night recap though? Because you know, best to keep that in, you know intimate experience with you and your wife between the two of you. Courtney, Chloe. For everyone's sake, at least. Well, yeah, okay, but I think our listeners would be into discussing what it would be like to be immersed in the clandestine world of the CIA and I other would rather listen to Gina recite the alphabet in that grating voice. I guess I could, if you're serious. It smells really good. No, no, better yet, why don't we like bring on our musical guest for the evening, all oh, right? Oh. We're going to be speaking with them just a little later on in the show. Here are the Queen Anne's.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Green, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show, and uh, this show just annoys the crap out of me, man. I love it. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, Craig Ferguson, is ready to go. Okay, cool. You know, I'm a fan. You, you know, Craig Ferguson has the right approach to show business. Instead of looking at, you know, like it's something actually relevant to the survival of mankind, he's able to, like, goof on it. He is fearless. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't know as I was never able to stay up so late to watch his show on CBS, The Late Late Show. Yeah. As you know, I retire for the evening at 9.45. Yeah, I'm well aware of Of course, on weekends, I often stay up to catch the news at 11, but I can't can't make it all the way through, but at least the weather comes on before I call it a night. Mm. Oh, that is terrific. Off the record, can I ask if you sleep in in the raw, or or, or do you wear those magic undies? Uh, <laughs> I have told you not to refer to the undergarments of our church as magic undies. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah, well, well, whatever, my bad. Hey, just put Craig on, though, okay? Y- yeah, you got it. Here he is. Hey, say hello to actor, television host, director, producer, comedian, author, and yes, former musician, Craig Ferguson. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, Spud. Although former musician is kind of, it's a very generous description for a drummer. I think a drummer is never really quite a musician. He's a, they say the drummer is a drunk guy that hangs around with musicians. Yeah, well, on our show, he's a musician. We have, we, you know, we have a band on all, the, you know, on this show, every show. But yeah, so, you know, stay tuned for Craig coming to your city sometime soon. Okay, hey, I gotta ask you this right off the bat. Yeah. Let's touch on the lifestyle change, uh, transitioning from ten years of taping a daily show in the early evening, you know, the, the late late show on CBS, to now doing a syndicated daytime show, Celebrity Name Game, on which you have won an Emmy already. So I'm guessing you taped them or one or two, two days two a week. Emmys. Two Emmys. Two Emmys. Dang. Yeah. Two. Oh yeah. So you got your real life back now, though, because you're only you're probably taping one like one day a week, right, or something like that. No, you know what we do with the the Name Game show is we tape them. We take a year. A year's worth in, in six weeks. So we just like, wow. I take six a day for about six weeks and that's it. I'm done. Dang. How'd you manage that? That's yeah. sweet. All right. Well, I did 10 years in the trenches in late night. I think that's what it was. And also I got lucky. I, I think that, you know, the the game show, because we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just a kind of dumb, fun game show. We're not trying to, it's not trying to be infinite. And, um, and and it's easy and it's fun to do and it's fun to watch. So it's it's kind of it's the most economic way to make it for those guys is to make it in six weeks. And I'm happy to to do that too. Absolutely. Well, you know, I gotta say this, that's not enough for you as there's another show you now host, Join or Die with Craig Ferguson that airs on the History Channel. A long time ago, did you also hosted a history related show in Scotland, Dirt Detective. For the record, are you in fact a confirmed history buff? I'm interested in the in the uh, the history of the human race. Yeah, I think it's kind of like psychoanalysis for our species. If you look at the past, you can you know you can see where you went wrong and hopefully not do it again. You can do it as a person, you can do it as a country, and you can do it as a species. So yeah, I'm interested in that regard. Absolutely. Well, um, with that explanation, I might have to get into history myself. All right, that was that was pretty cool. All right. Um, well, Craig, you were a musician, and I'm yes, I'm going to go back to that. Uh, when you first started out in the entertainment world, a drummer in a few bands, one was called the Bastards from Hell. That not a folk or skiffle band um, with that, huh? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was during a very uh, transitional time for music in the UK and the US, and I was in punk rock bands, one of which was called uh, the Bastards from Hell. Um, 
They, I, it was, it, you know, I was very young when I was doing that. I was 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And I, you know, it was a very, uh, I don't even know if I even thought of it as, as uh, art or a career or anything like that. It was just some uh, crazy stuff I was doing. And, uh, you know, there's some old pictures and old recordings lying around years later for which um, I'm grateful to see because I can't remember much of it. Well, I, I think I should state the obvious with this. You are the only, you were the only late uh, night talk show host I ever could have sat in with any band, you know, if their drummer was puking in the dressing room. I mean, you were versatile. I, I think you deserve some credit. I mean, you could have done it at any time. I could, I could have done it at any time. I, it's true. The only band that I played with on the show, though, were uh, Wicked Tinkers, oh. which are a Scottish, um, kind of very cool Scottish, Scottish kind of themed band. And uh, and with the Rock Bottom Remainders, which is a bunch of sad old authors uh, trying to relive their glory days at college. That's, that's basically it. All right. Well, at least you did, though. I mean, nobody else could do that. I, I, I oh, had yeah. to throw that out. I had to throw it out. Anyway. All right. So regarding your years on the Drew Carey show, if you're getting a feel for this is your life kind of thing, yeah, it's kind of, I kind of want what I do. But anyway, um, oh. re- regarding the Drew Carey show, I, and I got to state he was a guest on my TV show and he's a, he's just a great, great guy. But it looked like he had a blast doing the show. Was that acting or was it true enjoyment? No, it was a lot of fun doing that show, and Drew is still a friend of mine. I, don't, I haven't seen him recently, actually. He's up in Seattle a lot, obviously. Yes, he but is. The, um, but uh, he is a terrific guy, and, and, and what you see is what you get with Drew. He's a very honest guy. He's not, uh, he's not frightened about telling you his opinion or you know, seeking your approval, but he does it in such a way which is kind of uh, you know, funny. Um, and he's, uh, he really is. He's a terrific, a terrific guy. He knows a lot of dirty jokes, too, you know. I just thought I'd throw that out. He shared a few with well, me. Well, listen, if, the, if, if that makes you not a good guy, then I'm afraid I must be a bit of a b- as well. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Um, you know, hey, I'd be negligent if I didn't acknowledge your literary turn also as you've written two books, a novel titled uh, Between the Bridge and the River, and your memoir, American on Purpose, The Improbable Adventures of an Unlikely Patriot. I think writing books is like way too much work. There's all these words you got to come up with. I mean, how'd you do that? Well, it's just like writing a tweet over and over and over again for about, you know, six months. And then, you know, you put them all together and it's a book. Yes. You really need to follow Craig's career path and write a book, too. Uh, Maybe not a novel, unless someone could ghostwrite it for you, but a memoir for sure. It It could be just the boost you need to get you through to the next level. Hey, Craig, uh, just a second. Um, Writing a memoir would mean I'd have to sit down in front of a computer screen for like 15, 20 minutes at a time. You know I couldn't focus that long. Well, you could if you really tried hard, and maybe I could get you a few of my youngest son's Ritalin that he takes. But, But don't you have to be pretty successful to do a memoir? Well, most of the time, yeah. But maybe you could be the one to break that model and come out of nowhere and have a bestseller. Uh, your, your life has been pretty messed up to this point, so it won't be boring. And, and think about this. You'll get to appear on other people's radio shows and maybe even TV shows yeah. to promote the book. Well, God knows you could use some publicity so people actually know who you are. Well, let me think about it, but it still sounds like too much work. I gotta get back to Craig. He's a big star, and you don't keep those people on hold. Well, in 2008, you became an American citizen. Uh, What is the main thing that stands out about our country that is, say, quite different than others? And I mean, we are a bit different. I place into evidence, you know, one Donald J. Trump, among other things. I mean, we're different. We're a little quirkier, maybe, than other countries. What, What do you think, what stands out to you? 
I don't. I don't know that it. I mean, obviously, the uh, the it's it's the big leagues. It's the you know it's the World Series. It's the it, it's the big time. But it, it's also America is a very you know it's a very young country comparative to you know most other places. It, it has a very you know it has a very dynamic and uh, you know and turbulent. Uh, past the 240 years uh, before that, it was you know it was a different thing, and I think that um, I think that that alone makes it a different. It's a country made up almost entirely of an immigrant population, uh, whether they came over in you know uh, uh, you know 250, 300 years ago, or some sometime in the last 20 minutes. It, so that that also makes it. A different thing. I mean, you can be Scottish American, you can be African American, you can be Indian American, French American. It, it's a it's a different thing, right? Well, in case this wasn't covered at in two thousand eight, I was, I just want to state for all of uh, my fellow American citizens, welcome aboard. All right, all right. I got thank covered. you very much indeed. Yes. Thank you. So I'm going to close with this because I, I know you got stuff to do. Um, so he, here it is, uh, Craig Ferguson. What has been your most memorable moment as a human being on Earth so far? The birth of my children. Um, uh, the, the, to be present at a live human birth when it's your child is without doubt the most um, uh, humbling and uh, completely uh, life-changing moment you'll ever, uh, well, I've ever come across. It changes everything. Yeah, I hope to I hope to experience that someday. Everybody tells me that. I... Well, what you got here's here's your homework. You got to go and write a book and have some kids. That, I know. That's clearly what you need to do next. After interviewing you, I just feel so uh, unworthy. I got to get I got to get on stuff. Anyway, all right. <laughs> hey, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to check in with us. Thanks, bud. It's nice to talk to you, Mr. Craig Ferguson. The Spud Goodman Show. It has some merit. Yeah, uh, Spud, yeah. our show's resident psychic is on the phone, ready for his segment. Okay, you know, I've said this before, but it's kind of weird talking to Ted. It's I know he knows what I'm going to say before I even utter a word. Because he's a psychic. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Should I do his plug now? Uh, yeah. Okay. Ted Mars Out of This World radio show is aired each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. Please say hello to our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Mar. Hey, Ted. Uh, hello, Spud. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for calling me. Yeah, so what I wanted to run by you was if you knew of any real Ghostbusters, you know, maybe someone in your business who specialized in ghost removal from, say, a, a house or a shopping mall? Um, I have I have gotten rid of negative entities before, and I know other people do it, too. There's a couple of techniques you use. Uh, okay, that's you, but what can an average person do to rid themselves of this hassle? Is it like having someone come over to your house to get rid of a few squirrels that are up in your attic making a bunch of noise? I mean, <laughs> can an average person do it, or do they have to have someone with your skill level? You are so funny, <laughs> I always love talking to you. Uh, no, it's, it's fairly simple. The first thing to do is get some sage, and then dry mm. some sage and burn a lot of it in the house every day. Uh, over a period of a week, at least a week, and that'll the spir bad spirits don't like sage. Good spirits do, bad spirits don't. 
don't, and they'll, they'll leave. The other thing you can do is take some sea salt and sprinkle it at the four corners of, of each room. And uh, bad spirits don't like that either. The third thing you can do is to cover your house completely in lots of white light. Um, and then um, after you cover your house in, in white light, like a cone of white light, you put a series of mirrors around it facing outward to keep out bad spirits so they can't come in. Oh, well, do the ghosts ever win like a really badass ghost, you know, defeating a professional Ghostbuster? Is, is that possible? Um, you have to remember one thing in the spirit world. The white light is always stronger than the dark. Even the oh. think times get get tough, but so you, they can they can most always be removed. Um, it may take some work, but you have to remember that the white light is always stronger than the dark. The white light, okay. And that salt thing, I mean, I use it for slugs, so it works for this too. It's good to know that. All right. Well, are there rules <laughs> like the you know that Geneva Convention countries follow sometimes in war, or, or is battling ghosts more like the the Wild West or anything goes? So those those techniques you were talking about, are they approved? I mean, are they considered uh, you know? Above board and appropriate. <laughs> well, one thing I, I wonder, want to tell you and all your wonderful listeners is that we are powerful spiritual beings, and we do have free will on this planet. So, if we decide that we don't want a negative entity in our life or in our house, we can put our foot down and order them out, and with God's help, get rid of them. Oh, all right, Spud. What? Well, I hope you get what Ted just said here. I know for a fact that some who have listened to this show consider you a voice from the dark side. No. We can't afford to lose any more listeners. I don't even know what the dark side means. That's not why some people hate me. It's mostly because I tend to be a bit passionate about, you know, what I believe in. And some, I guess, prefer their talk show hosts spewing bland happy talk. I will never be that guy. Well, I don't believe in ghosts myself, but maybe you are possessed by a demonic entity. Right. It, it would explain a whole lot of things about you. It, it might be wise to burn some sage in the studio here. Uh, I mean, it couldn't hurt. I'm not possessed by some demon or bad ghost, okay? That's ridiculous. Well, I know we have some outdoor floodlights at home. Maybe I could bring them in. Look, I'm returning to my conversation with Ted, if you don't mind, so zip it. Okay, well, hey, I want to thank you so much for giving us, you know, some background on this. Because I'm probably going to rent the new Ghostbusters, you know, at Redbox sometime, when it, you know, when it's like a buck or something. So uh, it's good to know. This stuff's good to know. All right. Thank you so much. Our show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Well, I, I, while I've been sitting here doing basically nothing, I had the opportunity to Google what possible affliction Gina could have contracted. And at WebMD here, which yeah. is, by the way, a very useful website, uh, I, I'm really glad I found it, but it matches up with all the system uh, symptoms that she has. Uh, so, Dr. Holcomb, what is the diagnosis? And I said, like, whale sharks. I'm like, oh, that must mean... A a whale and a shark have sex. 
uh, if it's something serious, I'd rather not know, okay? Just, okay, tell me, what is it? Yeah, okay, well, I believe, based on what MD sa- uh, WebMD says, it's a case of voice fry. And the good news is, it's nothing serious. Here, uh, let me read you this. The vocal fry register is the lowest vocal register and is produced through a loose glottal closure, which will permit air to bubble through slowly with a popping or rattling sound of a very low frequency. Now, it goes on to say, during this phonation, the antinoid cartilages in the larynx are drawn together. Hey, 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 Sanjay Gupta, you're boring the crap out of our (laughs) listeners here, let alone me, the host of this show. If your diagnosis is correct, I guess it's good news then, though, right, Gina? I think, but I don't hear anything about a cure. Gerald, is this permanent? Uh, well, I haven't read that far. You know, there's a lot of information about this condition. I, I bet it. It seems to me there's an epidemic of it, at least on TV. And you know, you know what I'm going to say. I blame the freaking Kardashians, first of all. Good call, yo. Spud, you blame all of society's ills on the Kardashians. Absolutely. Now, listen, I will agree <laughs> they are disgusting people, but... WebMD clearly states this is not a communicable disease. Courtney or Khloe Kardashian could not have infected the world. Well, what about that young one? You know, I think her name's Kendall. It, uh, it's possible. And, and anyway, none of them should be given a free pass on this. I've only watched the Kardashians on the E channel a few times. I mean, certainly not enough to have picked up anything from them. They are not our friend. Well, how about Mr. Robot on USA? You know, the chick who plays Elliot's sister, Darlene, she used that same voice uh, on the show Suburbia that was on ABC, so it could be permanent for for her, and I, God forbid, but... Oh, I never miss Mr. Robot, an amazing show. Now that you mention it, Carly Chaikin does sound a lot like this. You, you know, think? Spud, I think you're generalizing here. I doubt that this is some grand scheme to change the way people converse. All right. But Jiggle Jaggle is not Beatimus. Uh, listen, I can say Gina is the first I've heard sound like this. Have you ever been to the mall lately? Have you spent, you know, any time eavesdropping on teenage girls these days while shopping there? <laughs> or or any, any MILF at Forever 21? Open your ears. Uh, I've never <laughs> heard of that store. We generally shop at Penny's when we go to the mall, but sometimes hey, we'll go... Just, our next guest is probably waiting on the oh. line. Can we... Continue this later. Just check on it. I, I think that this is your way of telling me something. Uh, uh, and but, Spud, you're right. Your next guest, okay? Oh, Jacqueline Bissett oh, yeah, is yeah, waiting yeah. to speak with you. Right. I must say, I have a hard time believing that an actress as accomplished as Jacqueline Bissett uh, would okay, call into yeah. your show, Spud. <laughs> no offense, but she's a highly respected actress. Yeah, okay, but but some people respect me too. I, I may not be a big time Hollywood star or anything, but I have fans also. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest though; it was kind of surprising to me that Jacqueline, you know, would take time out of her busy life to call in because she's been in some all time classic movies, man. Oh yeah, you know, my wife and I really enjoyed her performance in the miniseries Anna Karenina. She was brilliant. I must have missed that one, but she, she was in freaking Bullet with Steve McQueen, and, and then there's so many others that she was great in too. Yeah, you don't forget Murder on. The Orient Express. Yeah. Hey, just get her on before she hangs up on us. Oh, right. Here she is. Please welcome actress Jacqueline Bissett. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Oh, I'm delighted. All right. Very cool. Well, you have a movie that has just been released on DVD and video on demand, The Last Film Festival, that you and the late, great Dennis Hopper star in. 
There's a very interesting story behind this 2010 film that, you know, that it's finally being shown to the public. Can you give our listeners just a bit of the backstory of it? Well, the backstory is is that uh, Dennis Hopper uh, and I and the and the cast were sort of taken aback when when he passed away, and um, right. the we lost a lot of our financing. It was a time when the during the recession, and we came to a halt because we really didn't know what to do. And the director, there was money that was owed in terms of making the film, and we had to find and figure out how to to pay those. Those, those things that needed to be paid in order to go to the next stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sort of the wind dropped out of it. And um, and a couple of years ago, the director sort of, lots of people said, well, where is it? When's it going to come out? And she got her energy back and she got back into it. We had a, did a Kickstarter campaign, which was helpful to, to pay some of the things that needed to be paid. And, and then she re, she had to recut it and, and she got all kinds of things and figured that some of the stories had to be changed because they, they tied into Dennis's character and hadn't been filmed yet and so on. There were lots and lots of hiccups, but it all came together. And in fact, I think it's, I think it's really, really a success now. It's a, it's, uh, of course we have this sort of sadness that Dennis wasn't, is not around to enjoy it with us, but um, right, right. I thoroughly enjoyed doing, working with him and the other cast. And it, for me, it was a, it's a broad comedy. And I got to play a character that I sort of thought of myself, which was an Italian diva, um, and a bigger character than life. And uh, you know, it's right. It's for me, it's really fun to do a broad comedy character because I've tended to be cast as in dramas, though I have done some comedies. But this is definitely the broadest thing I've done. Now, Jacqueline, you've had a very long, okay. successful career in the entertainment industry, going back to your first film in 1965 with Roman Polanski, Cul-de-sac, to your most recent film, uh, yes. Backstabbing for Beginners, or for Beginners, opposite Ben Kingsley, still to be released. Do you have a favorite film, one that you're attached to? You know, because I mean, you were in the, you were in Bullet, Casino Royale, The Life and Times, uh, you know, of Judge Roy Bean, and so many other great films. It must be tough to pick one. It is tough to pick one. You know, obviously some experiences are more fun than others, and some films I like my role a lot, and I don't particularly care for the film, and sometimes it's the opposite. But uh, no, they're all sort of like, you know, they're all friends, and there are very few that I don't like on some level. Say, Spud, what? Has anyone ever asked what your all-time favorite episode of this show was? I mean, you've done so many of them. You must have a favorite. Uh, Excuse me for a brief moment. I'll be right back. Okay. Is this some sneaky angle to weasel your way into this interview with Jacqueline? You know, distract me with a question that w- would take me a while t- to decide on, and then bam, you jump in and take control of this thing with her? No. No ulterior motives with my question. I was just wondering if you did have a favorite show, y- you know, with guests and a musical act that you really well, enjoyed. If you really want to know, I think the I one... I was thinking the Don Rickles episode was quite memorable. Yeah, it was I've pretty come good. back and I've listened to it many times on iTunes. I think it was my best show as I displayed okay. impeccable timing in my repartee with you. Now, I distinctly remember some extremely witty rejoinders I tossed out that really made the show, in my humble opinion. Uh, how did this become all about you when I have such a legendary actress, Jacqueline Bissett, on hold while you babble on? Well, I was just recounting one of my best performances on the show. If that makes you uncomfortable, just zip it, okay? Just let me return to Jacqueline. I hope by now her people haven't hung up on us. I'm so sorry about that, Ms. Bissett. No, no. But I'm back. Yeah. Well, you know, you've worked with 
the coolest actors ever, Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, and of course, Dennis Hopper. Are you disappointed when you have to share the screen with normal human beings, guys that are fine actors, but they just can't compete <laughs> no. with the icons you no, have? Come on. No, I mean, you've been so, I mean, you've been with the best. Yeah, I've had, I've had some good um, working relationships. But, you know, actors, I like actors who are right for the part. It's really the question whether they're a star or not is not really relevant. It's from the point of view of acting. You just hope they can be the character you've got to play opposite and fulfill it. It's certainly fun to work with characters who are colorful and all that stuff. But if they were not good actors, it wouldn't be fun. It's not, a, you know, the premise of it is to, to work with people who are really passionate about their work. And that's the fun. Right, right, yeah. From, but, from the way I see it. The side benefit, though, they were all really cool guys. I got to say that. I mean, the coolest ever. So I just I toss that out. <laughs> They're nice to look at, too. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> yeah, I bet they would be. Um, you know, I read I read that you were the godmother to Angelina Jolie. Was that true? I mean, were, were you friends with her dad, John Voight? No, I was only friends with her mother, her mother. Marceline. Her mother, okay, okay. But I met, I met Marceline on a film with John Voight. I was doing a film in, in Switzerland with John and Marceline and was visiting and... Um, that's how we got to know each other. Huh. Super. I, I'm just wondering if you've ever been to any of their family reunions or holiday gatherings. They must be really lively, but I'll, I'll move on here. Um, I, I, really, I really haven't got to know Angelina that well, and um, though I, I follow, I'm sort of like a fan. I follow her more in the press than, than what I know of her um, in real life. She's such a busy woman, and she's doing such an amazing, having such an amazing career and job, and she's a very fascinating character. Yes, she. I mean, the world is fascinated by her. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, Absolutely, yes. You know, th- this film, the last film festival. I-, I was just curious. You, 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 Dennis Hopper, Joe Beth Williams must have had a, a, a you know, a close relationship with uh, the writer director Linda Yellen, as the budgetary restraints I'm sure didn't afford extravagant accommodations that you're used to. So, I mean, it, was it was it pretty? No, no we, didn't, we we didn't have. A, there was very little money, but that, you know, these independents are done on uh, much less small budgets and you just join in it's it's often quite a lot of fun to be part of the passion of the, of the film industry I've, I'm attracted to, to independent films I'm attracted to films where there's not a not a cookie cutter set up and there's not the crews are quite small and it's an adventure I, I really seek adventure in in the work I, I, I loved it when it's an adventure we, you know a group of people go off somewhere and you make it happen alright super and you, make your, you use your imagination it's less it's less stultifying than, than sometimes a, a really big Hollywood film. When I started working in Hollywood, I did most of the, I did mostly those big films where I was sort of the girlfriend character. And then gradually I thought, this is not really me. I really would prefer to be doing more independent um, pieces. Right. Of individual kind of work. Right. Um so let me let me close this interview by asking you my stock question. It's it's trite and cliche, but that's what I do. Jacqueline Bissett, what has been your most memorable moment in the entertainment industry? Oh, sorry, I don't know. Um, well, probably probably would have been in the beginning is when I was cast with Frank Sinatra, um, and it changed my life. You know, it, I went from being you know I was in Hollywood. Had done one little film here, and I was just leaving. And I was called in to the studio, and they said to me, uh, "With well, this part, we want you to take it, and it's you're replacing Mia Farrow, and it's with Frank Sinatra." And I, I was so stunned that I could be in the same space as Frank Sinatra, who was a favorite of my father's, particularly, and who I associated with my father being really happy and in a really good mood. And it was just mind-boggling because from that moment on. 
the phone started ringing and I got cast into this thing and I was put into a, they got me into a short hair wig and, and, and suddenly I was on the radar with, with, wow. uh, with, with press, the press. And up till then I hadn't have, had any, any PR and didn't care one way or the other about it. And obviously it went through stages and over the, my career there's been ups and downs. But that moment when it put me on the map was an amazing moment. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let me remind everyone again, the film you starred in alongside Dennis Hopper, The Last Film Festival, is now being released on video on demand and DVD. So everyone needs to look for it. Um, so I, I just want to thank you so much for checking in with us. Thank you. You're kidding. You, I, yeah, thank you so much for wow. putting me on the show. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Jacqueline Bissett. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions. The program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time. Please greet our musical guest. Green Monkey recording artist, the Queen Anne's. All right, please give up your formal identities and instrument of choice, please. I'm Tom. I play guitar and sing. Super. I'm Kip. I play the guitar. All right. I am John. I play basses. I am James. I play the drums. All right. We've established uh, everything for the record. Now let me get into this. You guys in this band have been around quite a while, though you're all in other bands too, correct? But what was the date of birth officially for the Queen Anne's? 1980. 1980. 1980. Yeah, step up to that mic. Um, so, uh, does the band have a formal position? Let me ask you this: on the hacking of email accounts? Because I won't lie, I'm a little freaked that some of my stuff uh, is going to be in the paper here soon. As I've written a few things that could be misinterpreted as mean or nasty or snarky or whatever. About how about you guys? You guys worry about that? Nope. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, well, hey, what what food group seems to have uh, been the most significant in the life of the band? Any favorite snack food? Breakfast cereals, definitely. Breakfast cereals, all right. Okay, super. Well, okay. What's the name of the next song you're gonna do? And you know, is uh, is there a backstory to it, or wh- what's the name of it? This is a song called "The Mire." Uh, we recorded it in my garage. That's true, and it, it, it's basically about uh, when everything is really messed up. All right, I, I can relate to that. Let's do that. <laughs> when isn't it? My world on a wire I walk the tightrope over the mire I'm holding on I need some time to think I need another drink I'm fine Where's my security? One wrong move could finish
Hi everyone, this is Olivia Newton-John and you're on the Spud Goodman Show. Hey uh, Spud, your yeah. last guest, Dietrich Bader, is holding on the line. All right, all now, right. Wasn't he in one of your all-time favorite movies? What, what was it again? He was in Office Space, a uh, truly great movie about the corporate world. Mm, oh, that is terrific. I would go as far as calling it a masterpiece. You know, I, I have a hard time buying that as I've never heard of this movie. Is this one of those unsuccessful cult films you like so much? The, you know, uh, ones nobody's what? ever heard of? Oh, everyone has heard and seen Office Space since it was released in 1999. It's, it's on cable all the freaking time. Uh, <laughs> if you say so. Uh, now, has Diedrich been in anything I might be familiar with? I don't think so. He's been in a bunch of all-time classic comedies. Funny Stuff, Napoleon Dynamite, Arrested Development. He's on the amazing Veep right now. Veep? No, never heard of it. Shut up. It's on HBO. Oh, oh, that's right. Your wife won't let you get pay cable. Uh, Good luck with that Hallmark (laughs) channel. Just put Diedrich on right now, please. Here he is. Please say hello to actor and comedian Diedrich Bader. Welcome to our show. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you are now co-starring in the ABC sitcom American Housewife that airs each Tuesday night at 8.30, 7.30 Central. You know, it's about time you're starring in a show as you've been a supporting actor in enough TV shows and films to fill up a phone book. <laughs> I've been very blessed. I've been around a while, and uh, yeah, I've had some great opportunities. Uh, but yeah, this one is a nice. I'm uh, number two on the call sheet. I'm the husband of American Housewife, and it's a great opportunity for me. Yeah, well, let me, just for those who may not be aware, let me toss out a couple, because you've been in, you know, some of the best of the best in the field of comedy, uh, like, say, Veep, Office Space, Napoleon Dynamite, Arrested Development. I could go on and on, but I don't have time. Not a bad uh, comedy uh, IMDb resume, man. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm lucky. I just, uh, I, I've managed to keep working. I've, my con has, has been a long con, and uh, people, <laughs> people keep hiring me. I'm very, very lucky and very blessed. Uh, it's a great opportunity for me to, to uh, get in front of the public. And this is a, this show. I really believe in. I, I really think that this is a good show, and we could, we could have a long run. I, I'm hoping anyway, because we got a great star in Katie Mixon and a really funny script. Yeah, let me let me touch on her. I've kind of had a thing for her for a long time. You know, she killed it on East Sure, well, down. you're straight, right? Look That's at right. It. Come on. That's right. You know, she she played Danny McBride's character, Kenny Powers' wife, on the show, and um, it's it's, it's that, time. That was the first time I saw her. I never, I hadn't seen her on Mike and Molly, but the first time I saw her was on East Mountain Down, and she just pops from the screen. She's so alive. Heck yeah, heck yeah. It's about time. You know, she also got her own shot too, so it's pretty cool. Um, so l- let me touch on your character. Uh, also, I got to got to go there on Veep, Bill Erickson, because he sort of got the short end of the yeah. stick while trying to survive a political campaign. How real do you see the characters on Veep? Because nowadays they see a bit a bit underplayed, kinda. Oh yeah, no, I mean you know it's uh, the the style of the show is that you you're never supposed to sell your joke. You're supposed to say it like it's uh, you know just dialogue that that uh, that happens to you organically and is, is within the moment. There are very few joke jokes in the show. Uh, that said, it's an incredibly funny show. Amazing. Yeah, Bill Erickson is definitely a character that would exist in Washington. You know, I grew up. Uh, my dad worked on Capitol Hill, oh. so I knew a lot of these guys. Um, and he is he is totally like one of those slippery characters that uh, that exist in Washington. Do you think like reality right now though uh, kind of just makes it even that more of a challenge to uh, in terms of the next in next season storylines? I mean, geez, I don't know how you can top reality. Right, I know. <laughs> I know it's a little like doing a parody of uh, like professional wrestling at this point. Yeah, it's still over the top anyway. Like, where are you going to go? You can't top it. So, uh, uh, so yeah, you know, you have to ground it. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I'm not a writer on that show because I wouldn't know where to go. But there's such clever people that I'm sure they'll come up with something that'll, you know, that'll at least meet your expectations. Right. Well, I also have to touch on one of the greatest comedy films of all time. I've seen it like 30 times. Yeah, I, yeah you know what I'm talking about, Office Space. As much as I and other fans would love a sequel, Mike Judge, you know, did make the right call. You can't do a remake of a perfect movie, right? It makes no sense. No, it, it exists in itself. I mean, you know, it, it is an entire world. It's a, it's a closed loop of a story. Uh, that's one of the things, the reasons why it's so comforting to watch. You know, it begins with a certain, uh, you know, problem and resolves it at the end. And um, and no, I think a sequel would be kind of cheesy, actually, and, and not appreciated by the real fans. I mean, you have to remember that when it first came out, it was a total bomb. Nobody saw it. Right. And then uh, it took on this whole life uh I, you know, I went to the opening weekend with my wife uh, because we missed the premiere because uh, the, the, they had the premiere on the night that we were taping the Drew Carey show, so I couldn't go. So we went opening weekend on Saturday night, and there was no one there except my wife and myself. And that was it. And it was, I mean, it was, a, it was an awful experience to sit there in the theater and be loving the movie and realizing that no one was liking it. And then 10 years later, we had a reunion in Austin where uh, we had a screening of the movie, and... The, you know, it sold out in like three seconds, and people came from miles around to go see the movie with the cast in the, in the town where we shot it, and and uh, and just the cascading laughter was just awesome to know that you know it's finally accepted and loved. And uh, I don't know, it's been a cool journey that movie. 
Uh, it's very much loved, and you know, there's very. I got to say, there's only a handful of films for me that I could watch over three or four times, and I'm I have to be up to thirty. So yeah, I mean, you did something special. Let's let's just leave it at that. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, stepping into the time tunnel even further, if I could, this is the last time I'll try to do this, but you played Jethro Bodine in the film version of the Beverly Hillbillies in 1993. Hey, did you ever sit down with Max Bear Jr. before doing the role? Because he was a highly underrated actor on that show as Jethro. Oh, yeah. No, he was really funny on that show. I mean, I watched, like, uh, I don't know, at least 100 episodes uh, in preparation for the role. Wow. But I was actually um, already shooting by the time I met Max. But I did appreciate his comedic stylings. I mean, you know, he was really, truly funny. I mean, he was one of those guys that, you know, he acted without irony. So he just played the character full out. And that's what I tried to do with Jethro. But it was funny, too, because, you know, I'm uh, I'm 6'2", almost 6'3", and kind of a big guy. And uh, when it, <clears throat> people kept saying I wasn't big enough to play Jethro. And I was like, I'm big. But then when I met Max, that guy is huge. I mean, I, he is enormous. And his huh. hands are like the size of hams. You know, you have to remember his his father was the heavyweight champion yes, of the world. Absolutely, he would not want to be hit by one of those fists. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's like I've got a big hand, but mine's like a little tiny lady-like hand in his. Uh, yeah, he was he was really nice. He was a nice guy and uh, very sweet and generous to to uh, to spend some time with me. Very cool. All right. Well, what? Um, hey, Diedrich, I'll be right back. Um, well, I just wanted to say, I think you made the right call to limit your comments to just Max Bear Jr. from the Beverly Hillbillies cast. You know, I think if you brought up Donna Douglas, who, who played Ellie Mae again on the air, uh, well, it just wouldn't be a wise well, idea. I'm not ashamed to say publicly again that I will go to my grave with my unrequited love for Donna. She was my fantasy dream girl growing up. I mean, there was no hotter actress on TV in those days, and I feel she was treated so unfairly by the Emmy people, and she should have won multiple awards. She got screwed. Well, your professed love of Donna Douglas just seems to be a bit excessive to me. I would recommend from here on out, you just keep it to yourself. I'm, I'm not going to lay my innermost feelings about her on Diedrich, but I will not walk away from them either, as she was a vision of loveliness, and I will always hold Ellie Mae as my favorite all-time TV character. Well, I, I know you've said your love of dogs is because of her relationship with her critters. That's right. She influenced so many people. But let me return to Diedrich, okay, and finish this interview up if you don't mind. Okay, fine. All right, let me let me say again that you are now co-starring in American Housewife on ABC. It airs each Tuesday night at 8.30, 7.30 Central. So thanks so much for checking in with us, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about the show. Absolutely. Mr. Diedrich Bader. My, how time flies. Okay, Spud, I'm yeah. even annoying myself with this thing I have. Tomorrow morning, I will be making an appointment with that speech pathologist. Uh, well, WebMD says you should consult... G- Gina, spe- this show will support you in whatever it takes to put this behind you. You know, have one of the interns... Right now, go ask one of the interns if they'll see if our medical plan covers something like this, uh, Gerald. Oh. Do something. It's a ridiculously bare-bones program, though. I mean, the freaking deductible's like 10000 bucks. Seriously. I-, I gotta tell you, if I didn't have full coverage for my family, uh, for my, uh, from my lead sales position at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum... South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum... I gotta tell you, I would be in serious financial jeopardy. We have a great plan. It even covers massage and acupuncture. 
Hey, no need to flaunt your Cadillac plan, man. Got that? It's very uncool. Uh, so, Gina, if our healthcare plan doesn't cover who you're going to have to see about this, maybe we could you know, like do a GoFundMe deal or something with the, to help with the bill. Oh, don't worry about me. My mom pays for all my medical costs. She's pretty comfortable financially. Okay. My stepdad right. passed away a few years ago, and he was loaded. Seriously. She will fly me anywhere to see a specialist if necessary. She's, that's how I get to go to all the insane clowns posse shows hmm. i did not know this hmm. good to know you, you know my plan allows me and the family to consult with the top medical personnel available shut the f- up donnie even for something like an ingrown toenail or head lice no costs are spared with our health care spud wow you're really gonna rub your extravagant freaking health care plan in our faces the whole show show some humility man some of us have to stitch ourselves up when we have a wow. kitchen mishap you know, Spud, if there's no cure for this, I may have to think about changing professions. I mean, would well, you hire me in the radio industry sounding like this? Hell will freeze over. I'm going to admit it. It's really starting to get on my nerves. But, you know, you're always going to have a job here as long as I'm here. It's a Spud Goodman show. As long as it's in my name, you got a job, okay? We put up with much worse in the past. You, you know, Gina, you might be able to get voiceover work on that E! channel or on MTV with that teen mom show they have. We don't watch those channels in our home, so I'm just passing on what I heard one of the interns say about yeah, okay. your condition. Like I said before, if they could trace the origins of this thing, you know it would go straight back to those darn Kardashians. I think the reason why is I've just been like so unhappy. They and they alone are responsible for this epidemic. Now I bet even the CDC can't stop it. Wow. I really don't know where it originated from. I just want to be cured from it right now. Okay, hold on one moment, Gina. I'm about down to the section on cures. We don't have time to go through that. As we're half- uh, I just got to wrap things up right now. I'm sorry. You, you can go over the recommended home remedies or needless surgeries with Gina after the show, okay? Gerald, tell me I can get this taken care of by next month. It's my high school reunion, and and it can't go sounding like this. Hell no, you can't! I'm scanning it now. You know, Gina, I have to say, at least be up... I gotta say this, I'm gonna be upfront with you right now. If for some reason, if this voice fry thing is permanent, it would be problematic for you to continue to do your job here as our designated laugher. As this thing's continuing, I gotta be I gotta be real with you. I'm aware of this, as there's no way I could successfully do my job if this was permanent. I, I would for sure leave radio for good, as I couldn't stand hearing this voice. So I would have to find a new line of work, I guess. Actually, that was something I was going to speak to you about anyway, Spud. For quite a while, I've second-guessed my career choice of being a designated laugher. Really? Wow. I really feel I have much more to offer. And if I can totally be honest here, the radio industry is about over. Look around. It reminds me of VCRs. Yeah, I know. I get it. Radio might be a dead man walking right now. I have a VCR. But for me... I'm I'm gonna go down with the ship. Is I want to stay on the air a while longer, at least until I pay off my credit card bill that paid off my other credit card bills. Would you be where you are <laughs> had there not been a sex tape? No. So if you feel strongly about getting out, I'm not gonna stand in your way. You know, though this show's never gonna be the same without your world-class laughing skills. Yeah, but I feel I could easily assume Gina's duties. He- no heck, way. Right now, I've got nothing to do here as co-host. So just give well, me the word. True. I will step up as needed. Check check this out. <laughs> you sound like you're choking on Aaron chicken I, bone, man. Gina, no. So you're saying even if this voice fry thing is cured, you still want to leave? I don't understand. Um, 
I don't, don't hate me, but yes, my heart is telling me that it's time for a change. Something that will be challenging me. I've been considering going to that ITT school to learn to be a correctional guard. Uh, I, I think ITT is out of business. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll find another school then. Just know, Spud, that I will always remember my time with you and the show fondly. Well, I want to say to listeners, I appreciate all the support. <laughs> Wow. You don't think I feel bad that I invited all these people to this huge wedding and flew everyone out. I wasted everyone's time. Well, I can't believe this is happening right now. I'm experiencing emotions that I'm just not familiar with. So let's just end this damn thing right now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, the Queen Anne's. Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin, Trent Patello, and Amanda Tompkins. Video director TJ Pikes. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, David Deere, Derek Schneider, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Give it